RadioInfluence.com. The future is now. This is the Valor Hour on Radio Influence. Your weekly glimpse inside all things Valor Fights and a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, Tim Loy. Welcome to another edition of the Valor Hour. I'm your host, Tim Loy, and of course, I'm joined by my co-host tonight, Justin Watson. Also got Greg Hopkins on the line, the voice of our Jeff Hobbs. We're ready to dive into some UFC talk tonight. We're going to recap UFC 258. Big pay-per-view card went down this past weekend. We'll go back through that and then we'll look ahead at this weekend's UFC Vegas card, uh, where we've got that heavyweight matchup with uh, Blades taking on the Black Beast, Derek Lewis. Uh, we're going to break that card down, give you some picks tonight as well. Uh, guys, it's uh, the calm before the storm. We're getting ready to uh, dive back into another Valor card coming up on March the 5th. And then after that, uh, the very next day, we're uh, down in Chattanooga for the Hydra Cup uh, at Agogi Combatives. That'll be March the 6th. And then uh, April 2nd, man, uh, we're going to start releasing some pro fights for that big pro card. And it is going to be stacked, man. I was kind of getting my rosters together today. And the amount of talent we've got to choose from on this card is uh, it's staggering, really. So uh, really excited for that card. And then uh, uh, May, we've got a doubleheader as well. May 7th, we'll be at the Cotton Eye Joe for an amateur card. And then uh, down to Chattanooga again, May 15th where uh, Greg Hopkins is set to defend that 170 strap. Greg, how's it going, my man? <clears throat> uh, it's going real good, man. It's freezing out here, but it's going real good. Can't wait for that May 15th. No doubt, man. Well, let's, let's, uh, before we dive into uh, this UFC talk, though, of course, uh, we've got one guest tonight we're going to talk to, and he's the main, uh, part of the main event. Coming up at Valor 79, that's uh, March the 5th at the Joe. Joining us on the line, the top contender to that vacant Valor lightweight strap just recently vacated by his teammate, Dan Bailey. We got the Viking Parker Wadman on the line. Parker, what's going on, my man? Not much. Uh, fantastic to be here. I uh, love you guys. Yeah, man, we appreciate you taking some time. Uh, you know, we're a couple weeks out. You're about to get your first main event under your belt, man. You're going uh, to be headlining Valor 79 at the uh, world-famous Cotton Eye Joe, taking on the Honey Badger, Brandon McGee. Uh, you know, before we get into that, since this is your first time on the show, I want to let you have an opportunity to give our listeners out there a little background on you. We've talked about you in the past, you know, when we've done a bit previews and things like that, but uh, nothing like hearing it from the horse's mouth. So give uh, give the audience, uh, you know, a little background on your training and how your martial arts background, how you got into MMA and, uh, you know, just kind of your uh, path up till now. Sure. So I've been a, a lifetime martial artist. I actually started training when I was like 11 or 12 years old. I got a black belt in Taekwondo when I was a kid, which was just a fantastic experience. And I really just fell in love with martial arts. From there, I went and wrestled in Florida, which is a pretty competitive state for wrestling. It was a fantastic school. I give a, a lot of credit to my wrestling team back there, which is Riverview Wrestling, Riverview High School. Thank you, Coach Stargable, for changing my life. Uh, but absolutely, uh, that was a great experience. From there, I moved up to, to Tennessee here, and I got involved in some Krav Maga and some kickboxing. Got into a little bit of jiu-jitsu as well, and then uh, eventually I landed over there at KMAA, and man, they just... They really, uh, they put it all together so well, and I was in there, and I was training, and eventually they, they were, hey, do you want to get a fight in? I was like, man, yeah, I definitely do. So I uh, jumped in the cage, and it's, it's just been, it's been a, a part of my life ever since, and I really, really, really enjoy it. So I just, I just love getting in there. 
you're a guy that's really, I think, uh, you know, leveled up over the last year. Uh, you know, your earlier fights, uh, you were a little more dependent, I thought, on, uh, you know, the takedown and using those, your wrestling chops to, you know, grind things out. Lately, you showed a, a lot more uh, angles, a lot more depth, I think, in your fights. Uh, last time out, we uh, we put you in there with Ryan Camp, a uh, very decorated wrestler, an active wrestler, as, you know, currently wrestles collegially. So he's he's kind of in that mode, if you will. Uh, and uh, you came out in flying colors, man. And, and this guy was a yoked up dude. This is a big guy. I remember away and you're like, we've got a live one here. I'm like, most definitely. One of the biggest 155s I've ever laid eyes on, man. And you, uh, you came through with flying colors, got a third round submission. Talk a little bit about, uh, about that fight before we dive into this next one. Oh, that was awesome. That was a fantastic fight. I was really, really impressed with him. He did a great job. And I, I think uh, big props to all of my opponents because, you know, it takes guts to get in there no matter who you are. But uh, Ryan Camp is a big guy. He's definitely a big guy. And I remember seeing his uh, his poster and getting to show all my friends. And yeah, that's who I'm getting in the cage with. And they're just like, what are you going to do? I'm just like, I'm going to beat him. That's what I'm going to do, man. I'm going to get in there and I'm going to do my thing and we're going to see what happens. But on your uh, on the point of development, I really do feel like my, my martial arts, my mixed martial arts has definitely got a lot more developed as I've been training out at KMAA. I mean, Coach Eric is just amazing and all the coaches out there just helped me really sharpen my game in all the ways. So I, I definitely think I was just a, a wrestler that got thrown in the cage for a little while, but now I really feel like everything's kind of come together. In that fight, I got to kickbox. I got to get in there and, and have some fun. I ended up with a submission, which was really cool, especially as I was down a couple rounds there. I did not know he was a southpaw until I stepped in the cage. That was a mistake. I probably should have done a little bit more research there. I stepped in the cage and go, oh, that's right foot forwards. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so it was, a, it was a really great fight. You know, props to him. It was, it was awesome. You know, his wrestling chops were for real, but I think, I think MMA wrestling and collegiate wrestling are just two different things. You know, I think a lot of us, a lot of the differences between the two just came out because I get to punch you in the face and then try to get to your legs instead of all that hand fighting stuff. So it was, it was awesome. It was a great fight. And I really appreciate him. Appreciate the opportunity to be in there. Yeah, from my end, I, you know, you use your wrestling so well up until that point. I was like, man, let's get him a guy that can that can kind of match his wrestling a little bit and and uh, and make him, you know, show some other things. And, and you really did. Uh, Jeff Hobbs on the line with us as well. The voice of Valor. He's called just about all of your fights up until now. Uh, Jeff, what you got for our man, Parker? Man, I just want to touch a little bit on, you know, you uh, you specifically, you know, threw a shout out to your high school wrestling coach. And you're, you're still a pretty young guy, man. And uh, you're not too far removed from those high school days. Talk to a lot of wrestlers. And, you know, I think Greg has mentioned it before in the past is that uh, nothing you've done in your life is probably harder than amateur wrestling. Tell us a bit, little bit more about your wrestling background and how that set you up for where you're at right now. You know. I would love to, to shout that out because I would not be the person I am today because of that wrestling team right there. And I, I've told people that my entire life. And it's not just about, you know, MMA and MMA is amazing, but that team and wrestling itself just changed my life in so many positive ways. And you're absolutely right. I don't think there's much that's harder than wrestling is and cutting weight and going from this. I, I used to be a very overweight kid too. I was what I weigh, you know, you guys know what I probably weigh in, but I weighed in at uh, 155 pounds. Now, when I started my first year of wrestling in ninth grade, I was 195 pounds and I was five, you know, four so it's just been through wrestling and through all that challenge. It was amazing. The team out there, again, Riverview High School with with Coach Stargable. He doesn't coach anymore, but it's still a great team out there. Just changed my life and was such a, a positive influence. And it was that challenge. It was you know going out there mano a mano with somebody else and just gutting it out and just pushing yourself as hard as you can and then realizing, oh, 
all the work that I put in everywhere else is what makes it so that I can go there. I had one of my coaches really drill into us, you know, you get out what you put in. And I really took that philosophy and then just took it into everything that I do. It's I'm going to put everything in. And one of the best things and the worst things that happened was I wasn't a super successful high school wrestler. And I could have been, you know, I couldn't have been super successful because I wasn't in it for so long, but I didn't do as much as I could have. I didn't, I wasn't at the off season practices. I wasn't going to those tournaments all the time and going to camps like I should have been. So when I got out of wrestling, I realized, man, I wanted to be a state champ. I wanted to be a, a formidable wrestler, you know, and I got to the end of it and I realized, man, I didn't put the work in for it to actually happen. So I made a decision from there. Hey, the next thing you find that is the thing that you want to do, you're going all in, like 100% in. Like, I don't care what it takes for going in. And that type of mentality has just helped me in everything that I do, you know, both with, with my business and, and what I do professionally. And then here with MMA, I'm, I'm being the same way, just throwing everything I can at it. And, you know, wherever I come out, as long as I throw 100% in, I'm happy. That's the same way I am with my fights, you know. I, I can't control outcomes, but I can control how much effort, preparation, and, and you know, will I put into it. Well, it seems like you said you, you put 100% into this. That being said, um, what else do you want to see from yourself in your amateur career? Like what other things do you feel that you need to accomplish or you need to see before you take that next step to uh, becoming a professional fighter? To me, you know, I think I've, I've done a lot. I would love to win this belt. That'd be fantastic. You know, get to get a little bit of hardware would be great. And then really, you know, I think when my team and my coaches say, hey, you're ready to go pro, that, that's what I'll go. I, I think that that's a decision for them, not for me. Uh, you, if my coach came to me and said, hey, I want you to go pro at this weight or that weight or whatever it might be, that'd be, that'd be what I would do because, you know, my coach knows <laughs> way better than I ever will. He's, they, they know what's going on there. Um, if I'm going to stay amateur, I don't want to fight 155 anymore, not because I don't think I'm going to. 55 but i think that i'm a better 145er i think that's my real fighting pro weight you know should be 145 so i think that's where i'd head if uh, if i'm staying as an amateur and if i go pro i think that's where i'll head anyways all right well last one for me parker is i always like to touch on the nicknames man where did the viking come from was it something that you felt yourself or something that someone else dubbed you uh, it's a little bit of both. I, I was dubbed it at a Krav Maga training because I used to have real long hair and I'm actually growing my hair out again. So if you guys see me and I got long hair, that's, that's what's happening. But uh, I was at a training and like that show Vikings was really big at the time. And I always show up early everywhere I go and get warmed up and that kind of stuff. And I was all sweaty. And then the trainer that was, was doing this guy named Ernie Kirk uh, was, oh, I want to use this guy, the sweaty Viking. And he brought me up and it just kind of stuck. My jujitsu coach who was at that training started to call me the Viking and it kind of stuck there. But I also, you know, I like the, the lore of Vikings and my family's like Norwegian originally. So it just kind of fit and it just kind of stuck. So when they, uh, when they had the name there, I was like, okay, the Viking, we'll do it. Well, Parker, I've enjoyed calling your fights and I'm really excited for the first time here to be able to call you for a main event uh, championship bout uh, coming up at the next Valor. Tim, what do you got? Well, man, uh, let's talk about that fight. You know, it's coming up. If, if, of course, you're main eventing here in just uh, about two and a half weeks at this point. Uh, when this thing airs, about two weeks. Uh, headlining at the Joe, a place that you fought uh, many a times. Uh, and, of course, Brandon McGee's the guy standing in front of you. I'm sure he's a guy that you're familiar with. He's, we've seen him uh, lots of times. And, uh, you know, you talked about going down to 45. He's a guy that just made 45 for his last fight. So I think size-wise, you guys are still going to be 
you know, relatively close. Uh, thoughts on this matchup, man. Uh, you know, McGee's a game guy. He's a he like yourself, in my opinion, has has a really good motor. You guys are both known for coming forward. So I think this will be a really nice action fight. Yeah, I think it's going to be fantastic. I think that he and I are just going to get in there and have a war. You know, I I don't see it going any other way. We'll see what happens. You know, I know he's, he's decent all around. He can wrestle. He can strike. I'm sure he's got some jiu-jitsu skills. I know he trains at a jiu-jitsu gym. So, I mean, I'm down. I'm ready. I'm excited about it. You know, I think it's going to be a great fight. Win or lose, it's going to be a show. I think that he, I think that he's game enough to really bring it. And I'm, I'm certainly ready for him. So it's going to be awesome. Before we wrap this thing up, man, let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the people that are helping you get ready for this thing. As always, you know, we have lots of KMAA represented on this card. Now, this last show, we had like a whole lot. So I don't think we have quite as many this time. But talk about some of the guys that are getting ready uh, alongside you that are going to be fighting on this card. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've got a crew of killers out there. I I can't talk highly enough about KMA and the, the culture that they have and the, the crew of uh, amateur and pro athletes that they have. And Coach Eric does an amazing job just just keeping everybody, you know, progressing, getting better, of course. Coach Jason and, and Dre and everybody out there just does, does an awesome job. Uh, I believe, I, I'm not sure exactly who's on this card with me. I'm a little self-centered, I guess. Uh, but uh, who's, do you guys know off the top of your head who it is? Uh, I know we got Alex Stock on this one. He's making a fast yeah. turnaround. He 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 won yeah. quick and he's, and he's right back. And we got uh, my my buddy uh, Jackson Todd on here too. Heck yeah, yeah. Both those guys are great. Uh, Alex is awesome. He's I train with him all the time, and he's just a he's a sweet kid, and he can go out there and he can bang, and he'll go after you for sure. And then uh, Jackson Todd, yeah, absolutely, really really good, super solid on the ground, super solid on the feet, and just. I love training with all those guys. I, I think that there's so much out there that's just super bright future people that are that can go anywhere they want to in MMA. It's going to be awesome. No doubt, man. Well, before we let you go, I'm going to let you give some shout outs where they are due. Any uh, friends, family, training partners, sponsors, uh, anybody you want to give some love to, I'll let you have it. And then uh, finish off by letting our listeners know where they can follow your uh, social media so they can keep up with your uh, your comings and goings. Excellent. I appreciate it, man. First thing I want to say is a huge thank you to my coaches over at KMAA. Guys, if you want amazing mixed martial arts training here in Knoxville, you need to check out KMAA. Yes, this is an app. No, really, they do an amazing job. Uh, you got Coach Eric, of course, you got Dre, you got Jason, you got the entire team out there. They're just fantastic people and fantastic training with whether you want mixed martial arts or jiu-jitsu, you got to check them out. Past that, I want to say a huge thank you to all the people that support me out at Premier Martial Arts Marable. That's my Kramagon kickboxing gym, guys. I love you guys. Thank you guys for all the support. You make it so that I can do everything that I do uh, kind of outside of the gym, too. So uh, I love you guys. Of course, I want to say a huge thank you to my mom, my dad, Carrie, my sister, Steph, uh, my brother, Will, everyone in my life that's just made it so that I can uh, I can be who I am today. I wouldn't be here without you. Got to give a huge shout out to my original martial arts teacher. His name is Sabanim N.W. Kim. Amazing guy, and I love that man. He's in a battle with cancer right now, and he's he's kicking cancer's butt. But uh, I really appreciate that guy. And I, again, another person I wouldn't be here without. Coach Willie Stargable is the absolute man in the wrestling room. I miss you, man, and you're just you've been such a, a huge influence on my life. I appreciate you. Uh, and then just just everybody else. There's so many people in my life that uh, that make me very very lucky. But uh, I I just I wouldn't be here without you guys. And thank you for all the support. 
Once again, oh, this is Viking Parker Wadman getting ready to uh, go into the breach one more time as he gets ready to vie for that vacant Valor 155 strap. It's going down at the world famous Cotton Eye Joe, and that's uh, March the 5th. You can get your tickets at fighterticks.com. Make sure you select Parker from the drop-down menu so he gets credit. And then, of course, if you can't be there live, you can catch the uh, the pay-per-view live on uh, vfcmma.com. Thanks so much for the time, Parker. We're looking forward to it. Uh, best of luck here in a couple weeks. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it, and have a great day. All right. Thanks so much to Parker Wadman uh, getting ready to main event here in a couple short weeks. Another amateur card at the Joe. And man, those uh, those have been fire as of late. Greg, you've uh, you've called lots of uh, Parker's fights. I guess all of Parker's fights at this point. You've called a lot of Brandon McGee fights. What's your thoughts on this one uh, as we as we're a couple weeks out on it? I was just sitting there taking notes uh, uh, on Parker Wadman and, and Brandon McGee. Dude, these guys are both explosive. Uh, you know, and I was eating crow. Uh, last time Parker Wadman fought, uh, when he fought Ryan Camp, and uh, he he proved he proved uh, the, the MMA wrestling and and, and real and, and amateur wrestling is way different than each other. So uh, I'm excited for that. That's a hell of a fight. Um, I don't know I don't know who I'm going to pick in it yet because uh, the Honey Badger is coming for it. He wants that title. He wants it. He's hungry for it. So uh, I'm ready to see that fight definitely. Well, make sure you guys tune in next week because we'll have the Honey Badger, Brandon McGee, on the line to to give his uh, end of this whole thing. And I think that uh, these guys are both very respectful guys. Uh, you know, you're not going to eat trash talk here, but their styles, uh, Jeff, you know, you've seen both these guys in pretty much all their fights. Uh, their styles lend to what, you know, is certain to be uh, a high pace. Absolutely, man. It's going to be a fast, high pace uh, chess match going on in the cage. Um, you know, this is just one of those fights – uh, as a Valor employee, a Valor fan that you just kind of saw coming when you start seeing these guys really come up the ranks. And you, you knew before long uh, these two guys were going to meet off in the cage. So this is a, a definitely a very worthy main event, uh, one that I'm excited to watch. Um, can't wait to see it, man. All right. Let's dive into this uh, UFC, guys. We've got the UFC uh, 258. It is now in the books. And, uh, of course, that was pay-per-view. In my opinion, a bit of a weak card on paper. The fights were actually pretty good. I'll, I'll give them that. They, they were pretty good action in these fights, if anything. But uh, let's, uh, let's get to this recap, guys. We've got, uh, you know, of course, the main event was a, a world title fight, 170 pounds. Uh, Kam- uh, Kamaru Usman uh, and uh, taking on Gilbert Burns, a fight that was supposed to happen, uh, you know, last July and COVID, uh, you know, ended up putting that off until uh, we finally finally got that action here, uh, you know, this past weekend. Uh, I think most everyone was on the side of Kamaru Usman. Justin, you you might. Uh, did, were you on Burns? Yeah, Justin was on Burns. But uh, but uh, I think the majority of us were on Usman. It was still a hell of a first round, man. Uh, you know, Gilbert Burns gave Usman everything he wanted and uh, really had him uh, on wobbly legs. You know, me and Jeff were texting back and forth. He's like, man, the champ's shell-shocked at this point. But, uh, you know, like a true champion, he made those adjustments in between and uh, came out and started to turn things around in the second and uh, maybe could have had an argument to even have it close to being stopped in the second. But he got it done er uh, early in the third, 34 seconds in, TKO, uh, ground and pound. And uh, the jab is the flavor of the week uh, now that the calf kick has had its week to uh, to kind of subside. Uh, Justin, I'll go to you first. Your thoughts on this main event. And, uh, you know, did Usman, in your opinion, show that, uh, you know, potentially he's got tabs on uh, the, the goat status at welterweight? 
Yeah, I think it's still very premature to talk about him competing for GOAT with GSP. Um, just It just hasn't been long enough. Obviously, he's on like a 13-fight win streak in the weight class, um, took that record from GSP. But, you know, GSP had nine or ten of those were 11 or eleven title fights. So um, I, I was super impressed, though, man. I thought it was a hell of a fight. The first round was awesome, the way that Kamaru was able to uh, take those shots and, you know, get his composure back. Stick to the game plan. Stick to the jab. I think that's what they kind of planned the whole time was just stay back, piece him up, don't go to the ground, obviously. And um, Gilbert had him in trouble and made some crucial mistakes. When he did have him in trouble, he got a little anxious. And uh, at one point, he went to his back and tried to get Kamara to come into his guard. But, you know, I feel like he should have been trying to finish him on the feet at that point. Um, he gave Kamara some time to recover. And then, you know, he, he made the perfect adjustments uh, in between rounds, dominated in the second round and, and got a beautiful finish in the third. That was definitely uh, one of the best Kamar Usman fights I've seen. He sometimes can be boring, but um, this fight and obviously like, you know, the Colby Covington fight, um, the guy can put up some some awesome shows too. Um, so I'm looking forward to, to watching him. I think he'll rule the division for a little while. All right. Uh, I'll go to uh, Jeff next. You know, uh, this is uh, one of those fights where, you know, the I felt like even though the line was so, you know, somewhat steep at like minus 270 or so, I still felt like felt pretty good about it. I didn't feel bad about laying that kind of chalk. Uh, your thoughts on this main event where you're getting a little squirmy there at the end. I got a little squirmy. I won't I won't lie. But, uh, man, uh, you know, when, when Usman turned it around, it was it looked, you know, it was obvious it was just a matter of time. Oh, I got real squirmy. You know, you were on the other end of those text messages, man. I, I had, uh, you know, per, per the usual, was playing a little catch up. I'd already laid a little bit on Usman, but uh, trying to play catch up here at the uh, latter part of this card, I took that uh, hail mary, uh, you know, shoot my shot, and right before the the bout started, I laid laid a little bit on Usman TKO third round. So. Um, you know, which ended up being just a, a glorious hit for me uh, when it was all said and done. But that being said, that first round, uh, yeah, my butt, uh, my butthole was clenched up pretty tight right there. Uh, I was just watching all my money go down the drain. Uh, it, it seemed like for a second there, everything that touched Usman uh, stiffened his legs, uh, you know, had him walking like Frankenstein. So it was pretty scary to, uh, to even see if he would get through that first round. But um he listened to his corner great. Uh, I guess it was that uh, Whitman in the corner. He, yeah, he Trevor Whitman. Took, yeah, took his training to Colorado. Trevor Whitman is an outstanding stand-up coach. Uh, you could, with you know, being able to hear the corners uh, as well as you can uh, can right now. Uh, you heard Whitman, you know, tell him in between rounds, stick with the jab. You know, your jab is where is that? You know, where it's at. And listened great to his coaches. Uh, they're there for a reason. They've been around as long as they have for a reason. And. Uh, Tide's definitely turned, man. I, I've never seen a jab affect a fighter the way it did. Burns, uh, you know, right there in the second round and, and then ultimately to uh, knock him down for the finish. Man, you know, thinking back on it, you remember when GSP did that to uh, Koscheck, I think it was, and they were overseas and Koscheck like, couldn't fly home for a couple weeks because uh, GSP utilized that jab like that in that same weight class. Uh, kind of a throwback to GSP on that one. That's why well, I definitely – I definitely agree with you, Justin. There is no way in my mind that he can be considered, you know, near goat status at this point. Like you said, so many of GSP's fights 
were championship fights. You know, GSP didn't have, uh, you know, a, a tough finale, you know, all those other things going on uh, at that time to get all those extra fights. And GSP was dabbling. I, I can't remember how many times, but I mean, he dabbled in other weight classes too. Um, so, you know, I think there's uh, congratulations on the win streak, but I don't think that streak, when you look at what GSP did during that streak and how many of those were title fights, um, I, I just don't think he's there yet. I definitely think he, he'll be in the conversation if he continues to go, but yeah, still needs still need some more wins. Greg, uh, you actually called this one last week. Uh, a stoppage TKO win for Usman. You know, truth be told, I was on Usman by decision officially. I I, I still did well in the fight and, and cashed my tickets, but uh, my official pick was decision. I thought it would go the rounds, but uh, you called this one. Uh, yeah, just looking back at Gilbert Burns is uh you know he had his, his last couple fights he fought Tyler, uh, Tyrone Woodley and I mean everybody's been beating Tyrone Woodley he fought Damian Maya in the first round and then you go back to his last MMA fight he had Gunnar Nelson and it's just uh, that the level of competition was just not up to par and when he is fighting these guys these other guys are ending in one round you know it's and so like his gas tank was to question but we knew he was gonna come out firing off that I was worried I was worried about that of course. Um, I didn't think he. I didn't think he was going to take as much ad- advantage of the opportunities he was going to get against him. And he didn't. He lost. You know, it just shows that he's not. He's not on that level. But I mean, he is. A, he's a savage, nonetheless. But he's just not on Osman's level right now. And then going back to the GSP, I think it's hilarious how you know, Tim. You ask everybody that question immediately. Everybody goes to, yeah, he's a badass. But he, he you know, no offense, but he's he's not GSP. I mean, and you go and you look at GSP. He's fought one time in the last like. Eight years, and that that one time he won, he beat Michael Bisping, and then the third round finished, got the title, then let it go. And uh, now there's no argument there, uh, and it will be a long time before you can refer to him as that because there are people out there that can beat Usman right now. I don't know who they are, but they're going to show up. I heard something that I thought was pretty cool was like you know, it, he does need to be getting some props as as one of the top welterweight champions of all time, like with Pat Militich and Matt Hughes. And that's kind of the level that I see him at right now, but I don't, I don't think it's crazy to compare him to GSP yet. So let's move on to the rest of this card. We'll run down real quick. I, the rest of the card, I mean, there were some good fights. Action was good. Not a whole lot of, uh, you know, uh, uh, rankings implications here, but Alexa Grasso uh, knocks off Macy Barber with a uh, really nice unanimous decision. I was on Macy Barber there, so I was on the wrong side. But Grasso, while not the better athlete, just much the more technical fighter. Just uh, uh, really kind of outclass Barber in all facets from a technical standpoint uh, and, and cracks the top 10 uh, afterward. Kelvin Gastelum with a unanimous decision over Ian Heinish in a fight that uh, I think a lot of people thought that Heinish may get that one. But, uh, you know, he made it an ugly fight. He stayed in Gastelum's face the whole time, made it made it kind of kind of tough. But uh, Gastelum gets the win. Uh, Ricky Simone, a really nice win over Brian Kelleher by decision. He was just on his ass the whole time and just so so aggressive he's, he's tough out uh and then uh, opening up the pay-per-view card julian marquez with a come from behind win uh, over maki patolo he he got a third round anaconda choke after being down two rounds to nothing he had to bring it and he did uh so a really nice win for marquez uh anthony hernandez big upset win as a plus 400 underdog to uh, hadolfo Vieira, the uh, submission specialist uh, gets submitted uh, by a second round uh, guillotine, arm in guillotine, and it was uh, 
I saw a stat that of like 120 fights that have taken place with Abu Dhabi champions, he's the first one to ever get submitted, which is probably not the best distinction to have. Uh, Bilal Muhammad, yeah, a unanimous decision went over Diego Lima, pretty dominant, man. He looked really good. And then he called out the, the leech, the Chinese leech, uh, Li Jing Lang, which would be a pretty damn good fight. Uh, Pollyanna Viana, first round arm bar. Uh, over Mallory Martin uh, and uh, Cash is an, as an underdog there. Chris Gutierrez takes a unanimous decision over Andre Yule. And then Gabe Green with a unanimous decision win over Philip Rowe in a battle of two guys that are uh, – it's kind of surprising to see that they're in the UFC. That was uh, – it, it was actually kind of a fun fight, but, like, it was well-matched, you'll say. But I don't know that either one of those guys are going to be able to beat – even mid-tier level competition. I'm going to go to each of you guys and just get your takeaways overall on the rest of this card. Uh, is there anybody that you were on the fence about leading in that they sold you on, or maybe somebody you're on the fence about and now you know uh, you know you know better? Uh, for me, I think uh, the low-hanging fruit is Hadolfo Vieira. I actually did really well on this card. I think it's uh, really about the only fight that I just was was just really on the wrong side of. Last week, I said that was a, a parlay piece that you wanted to to key on and. Man, if anything, uh, we know that uh, you got to be you got to be a well-rounded MMA fighter, man, uh, to make it in the UFC. I'm not saying that these uh, specialists can't win any fights; they will win some fights. But you don't want to you don't want to have all your eggs in one basket uh, when it comes to these types, in my opinion. Uh, Hobbs, I'll go to you first. Yeah, I mean, I guess what stood out to me, I'm like you, uh, that was the one bout uh, that ruined my whole night. Uh, I think I pretty much hit everywhere else on this card except that one. But unfortunately, I uh, followed your lead and, and put it in some parlays. So that's why I was playing uh, catch up by the main event. But uh, I, I told you I was staying away from that Barbara Grasso fight, and I did. didn't want any part of that. Um, but, um, you know, what stood out to me in that fight was – you know, one, obviously, Grasso stand up, the precision, uh, her boxing is great, uh, which isn't always the case from the, you know, Brazilian fighters. You 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 figure coming in that they're going to be ground specialists, but her, her stand up is superb. Um, but I think just as Grasso's stock rose, so did Macy Barber's, you know. Uh, she is still so freaking young, man. Uh, and and I, I had hoped, you know, watching her lose that second fight in a row now and after coming off that long injury or that long layoff with that knee injury. Um, and it's like, you just keep telling her, Oh God, I hope she doesn't beat herself up. I hope she doesn't, you know, and hopefully she doesn't, but there was so much to be said about how she came out in that third round, you know, um, she came out guns blazing and she went for it. And, and I think, uh, and, you know, I think Dana White even, you know, spoke about it in the, in the post fight. Um, just like, you know, there's nothing we can say about Macy Barr. You know, there's nothing uh, – there's there's no need for her to worry about her status, you know, on a two uh, – she is still so freaking young, and she showed a lot of heart in that third round. Aside from that, man, on the prelims, you know, you said that the calf kick, it, it did not take the week off because it was Diego Lima's only offensive move, and it was almost enough to keep him in the fight. Uh you know, that was his one offensive move. Uh, he was tearing up Muhammad's uh, calf. And you could tell it was starting to affect Muhammad. But the pressure that Muhammad puts on his opponents, he had Lima battered. And uh, Lima showed just how tough he was, uh, that he was able to uh, stay in there for a decision. He was backed up on that fence taking, you know, brutal combinations. I, I thought at any minute, like, it was either going to get stopped by the ref or get stopped by his corner, one or the two. Um 
you know, what worries me about Belil, he is up there. He's calling out, you know, fighters, but he has got to get some finishes in my opinion, man, out of, out of all his wins, you know, I think he had 17 wins at the, you know, before the fight was over 18 wins. Uh, he'd only had four stoppages, you know, uh, or four TKOs, one of the two, um, he's not finishing fights, uh, you know, a dominant, dominant workup against the cage, a relentless pace, but for some reason, he just can't get guys out of there. Um, so I don't know when that's going to come back to bite him. But those are the two fights that I really, uh, you know, enjoyed the most and focused on the mo- most and, and took took a lot away from. All right, Greg, uh, what's your take, man? Uh, you had uh, you had a pretty decent night last week. You told us uh, you tipped us on Gabe Green. Got there on that one. Uh, Julian Marquez as well. Another play for you, which uh, cash, but not one uh, without a little trepidation. Yeah, there's some nights you uh, have a winner, winner, chicken dinner, and then there's some nights you eat crow. And I did a little bit of both because Vera, I had him lined up in every single parlay I made because I just thought that he was like the shit dipped in like diarrhea. I really didn't know. He was just like stinking up the room with every fucking thing he had in that fight. And I mean, like, there's hope and then there's like despair in that fight. When he was getting tagged the whole time, I was like, you got this. I mean, I don't know how many times he got punched in the face with some fucking hammers before. I was just like, ah, right, man, ah, right, you know, you go down now. Like, it's, it's over with. But he kept fighting, he kept fighting. But, yeah, like you said, you've got to be a well-rounded uh, person. And uh, that was the big eye-opener for me this week. And that was the, the crow that I ate. Um, but uh, head to toe, go back to BJJ or go back to a lower level of competition as far as uh, trying to push your push your word in the MMA business. But, um uh, as far as the rest of the card goes, uh, uh, Alex, Alexa Grosso, that was more of a fade on Macy Barber. I just didn't feel like she, like, you know, she, she, she's got, you know, she, was, she had nine fights total at the time. Uh, she had already lost one. She had that knee injury, all this, that, and other thing. But I just didn't think she was near ready for a co-main event spot. Uh, and, and that's no, that's no, no, no shame uh, or, or, or shed the light towards Alexa Grosso because uh, I, re- I really don't think she was uh, for it either, but she's had a lot more experience in the UFC. So I just think that her being battle-tested on that ground uh, gave her the little edge on my on my card. Uh, uh, Gabe Green was another one that we spoke about last weekend uh, being battle-tested, and he'd been in there a lot more with higher-level competition, Philip Rowe making that, making that jump right there. I just I just didn't see it happening. It was a great fight, but it didn't work out for him. Going through here, another one right here. Um, we talked about Patolo and Marquez right there. Uh, Patolo probably was his last fight in the UFC. Likely, uh, don't know how he was in the UFC. Not not no knock to him. He's a good fighter. He's he's mean. He's he's nasty. He's got some you know he's coconut bombs. He throws hard. But uh, Julian Marquez, after after so many um, you know years off or whatnot, coming back in there. I just thought that his durability was going to, was going to outlast Patolo because Patolo gases. Uh, Ricky Simone uh, showed that he is head and shoulders above uh, the bottom tier of the UFC. I don't know how many times we see Brian Kelleher in the UFC again. Like, I mean, Justin probably be, touches more on that. As far as that goes, uh, the Usman and the Gilbert Burns fight. Uh, yeah. Everything else is a, is a go. I ate a little bit of chicken and I'm a little bit of crow. All right, Justin, uh, wrap us up here on uh, UFC 258. We'll dive into the next. Sounds like you're calling for a lot of people's job, Greg. Uh, one of the most, <laughs> impressed, most impressive performances, I think, was Kelvin Gaslam. Nobody really touched on him, but um, in Heinish, you know, has pretty legitimate wrestling, and he was 
definitely the bigger man in there. Um, Kelvin obviously has fought at welterweight before, and um, so he's not a, a very big middleweight, and he was able to pretty much just ragdoll Heinish. Um, a lot of people thought if Heinish won, that, that would be a, a key to victory would be wrestling Kelvin. Um, but Kelvin is a high-level wrestler. He doubled his takedown, his uh, highest takedown in a fight in this one. The last, I think he had six in this one. Previously, it was three, and that was in his UFC debut. Um, so he's gotten away from wrestling for a long time, and it was nice seeing him get back to that and get get to um, you know a dominant win. Um, he ate some big knees and and uh, was able to push through the adversity. So that was a good win, I think. Um, Julian Marquez, did you guys? I'm sure you did. Here is he called out Miley Cyrus afterwards. She tweeted him and said uh, to shake the big MC in his chest and that she would be his. And then he like up, up the ante and told her if she got a henna tattoo of the Cuban <laughs> Missile Crisis in Tupac, like a Tupac <laughs> tattoo that uh, he was down. So that was kind of funny. Um, he got his ass whooped and then just got lucky in the end, I guess. And, you know, Patolo gassed out. But um, Vieira, man, you know, he like you said, he got submitted to a, um, a guillotine, but it wasn't, he, he really, he tapped out to exhaustion. He didn't really tap out to the guillotine. But I think what's more embarrassing about it is, especially when you're at that level, you have to go to sleep. Like you, you can't, you can't tap. I mean, I think in the, in the jujitsu community, that's what everybody is the most disappointed about is that he that he tapped, you know, <laughs> like you just tapped to a blue belt and like, and this, this guy was asking for a stripe on his blue belt, you know, it's All like, right. he's yeah. asking for his first stripe on his blue belt. And, you know, Hidalgo Vieira is a, a astonishing, you know, jiu-jitsu guy, but um, there's more to it. And uh, Hernandez basically just, just weathered the storm and waited, you know, until Vieira gassed out. Vieira came in throwing heavy, and um, his, he's just built like a tank. You know, if he's not going to finish a fight early, he's going to gas, I feel like, because yeah. he's going to do that every time. He's just too much muscle. Um, below Muhammad, I, I think that was a good fight. He being able to absorb the calf kicks, you know, it's – it's kind of a, a testament to him when you see other guys who fall to them, you know, like, yeah. you know, it was, it was Connor's demise. We've seen, um, you know, uh, Sean, uh, Sean O'Malley recently go down to it. Um, a lot of people have, but he was, he just kept pushing forward, man. <laughs> and like he didn't, he didn't stop. He said that he wanted to smell, he wanted to smell Diego's breath the whole time. And it was a perfect game plan. You know, if you stay back against Diego Lima, you're going to get your fucking head kicked off. But, Diego can't really grapple that great, and up close, he, he's not able to throw those kicks off as much, but he still tore the calf up um, and below, you know, shooting not very high with, with the call out, but uh, makes sense in the, in the division. Jing Liang's one spot ahead of him in the rankings, so, um, you know, I think that was not a bad idea, uh, at least calling for something that you're probably, you're likely to get. Um, and I was pretty impressed with Chris Gutierrez. Um, I thought he fought up a really smart fight um, and was pretty dominant. He got a 30-26 on one of the judges' scorecards. Um, you know, Andre Yules, I feel like, was a lot bigger. And, um, you know, Gutierrez, just he did really well. It was another one with the calf kicks. You know, he was slamming those calf kicks on as well. So, um, But I, I had a good night all around. I thought it was a, a fun night, of, of a lot of good fights. All right, guys, let's move into this weekend's action. And we have got the uh, UFC fight night. Uh, Vegas. <clears throat> it's going to be uh, Curtis Blaze, Derek Lewis fight that was supposed to happen a few months back and got pushed back uh, till now. Um, man, I guess it's a big heavyweight fight, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things. I'm not just 
a huge fan of these guys. But uh, hey, you know, we've got fights to break down and let's do it. We got Curtis Blades, uh, pretty heavy favorite here, minus 400, minus 450, uh, with a comeback on Lewis in the range of plus 300, plus 350. Um, I don't think that I have enough faith in Derek Lewis to, to land that one hitter quitter on Blades. So I I like the uh, the total here. Uh, I think that you know Blades is more of a grinder. He he's he's unapologetic when it comes to his style. You know people say you know Curtis Blades is not the most exciting heavyweight. He's gonna he's gonna wrestle. Yeah, he's gonna grind you, and and he he embraces that. So I like the over uh, two and a half rounds here at plus one fourteen. Uh, over two and a half rounds plus money. I think if anything, Lewis is relatively durable. And uh, Blades is not uh, always known to be the greatest finisher. So I think that's where the value lies here. Uh, if I had to pick a winner, I'd, I'll take Curtis Blades and, and maybe some parlays. Uh, but obviously, uh, the straight bets are, are kind of out of the question here. Uh, I'll go to uh, Jeff Hobbs for, for his take first on, uh, on this one. Man, uh, you know, when you, look, when you look at this fight, you look at past fights, man, um, uh, you know, Blades, like you said, is a freaking grinder, man. His, his, his job is to get that fight to the ground, get Lewis in deep waters, get that cardio in question, uh, and, and pound him out. The thing is, man, is every round starts on the feet, and if Derek Lewis uh, gets just the smallest opportunity, he will knock you the fuck out, man. Uh, it's just plain and simple. Even when he's at his most exhausted and you think that he's on his way out, he'll pull something out of the basement and uh and and pull out a, a devastating win but i'm with you man at some point it's going to happen here he's not going to be able to pull the rabbit out of the hat i think curtis blades is going to be the guy to do it get him to the ground exhaust him out and then tko him on the ground ground and pound uh so i'm liking blades on this one all right and then uh greg uh, you got a you got a take on this main event uh heavyweights yeah, I just, I, I, and not to sound boring, and I'll make mine quick. I agree with you guys that again, he's gonna, you know, it, it could be a boring fight. Curtis uh, Blades is always a real boring fighter, but I mean, boring fighters usually do get the job done like that, and that's just how he wins. Um, but with that being said, it only takes one shot to close those curtains, and Derek Lewis possesses that power. Um, he does. He waits too long, and he sits, and he sits, and he sits, and I just don't think he's going to be able to explode up with somebody like Curtis Blades on top of him if he gets on, you know, gets him down on the ground, which he likely will over and over again. And if he does get him down, and Derek Lewis does happen to get back up, I can see Curtis Blades taking his ass right back down again and uh, ended up finishing him in TKO probably the first round. Yeah, I feel like that's probably the game plan. Obviously, um, is you know for Curtis Blades to do it on the ground just because. Derek Lewis's wrestling is that bad. Um, but if you really look at the stats and start breaking it down, um, Curtis Blades' striking stats are all better than Derek Lewis's. Derek Lewis has the one-hit power or whatever, you know, but um, I think the more the more dynamic striker is Curtis Blades. Um, you know, we've seen him. He knocked out Junior DeSantos. We've seen him, you know, tool some guys up on his feet too. He just obviously has that uh, massive – advantage in the wrestling department so I, I think he'll use it but i wouldn't be surprised to see him touch up uh derrick lewis do derrick lewis a little bit as well um but like like everybody said obviously derrick lewis does have the bomb and uh that's a game changer if he lands it and you know the only losses that curtis blades has are to francis Ngano, you know another big power puncher uh who's who's knocked him out twice so um 
I don't know if he's if he gets in there with Francis and gets a little timid um, and afraid of the power. Um, if so, then that could be the case in this fight too. Um, he may be a little gun shy in there, but we'll see. Uh, but Derek Lewis has one way to win. Um, Curtis Blades has, as I mean, he can pretty much win the fight anywhere he wants to. I, I feel like. Moving on, co-main event. Uh, we'll just run down the rest of this main card here before we jump into the prelims. I know uh, some of you guys have got some uh, some plays on uh, really more of the prelims than the main card here, and I think that's uh, to be expected when you consider we've got uh, a couple guys that we know very well on that undercard, uh, Nate the Train Landwehr and, and Luis Pena. So co-main event, uh, Caitlin Vieira takes on Yana Kunitskaya. It's Bantamweights. Uh, Vieira 11 and one, uh, Yana Kunitskaya is uh 13 and five and, uh, Vieira is a fairly decent favorite here. And it uh, looks like she settles around minus 275 with Kunitskaya coming back about plus 225. Uh, Charles Rosa takes on Derek Minner in a fight that, uh, in a feature about spot that's pretty high on a card for this fight, but it, it should be fun. These guys are action fighters. Uh, Minner and Rosa really bring it. Uh, that's a 145 fight with Rosa being the favorite minus 185, Minner plus 165. Uh, heavyweight fight that's kind of interesting. Alexi Olenek takes on Chris Daukas. This is kind of a tale of two fighters here. Olenek, you know, obviously the older submission vet. He's been in there with the top guys. Daukas is kind of a, you know, Johnny come lately here on the UFC scene. He's had some good knockouts, uh, not overly athletic or anything really jumps out about him to me, except the fact that he's got some good knockout power. But, uh, I was a little surprised um, on this one to see that Dalkus was such a heavy favorite. Dalkus nearly two to one here with Olenek coming back at plus 160. I'll say that, I I mean, you know, I don't really like riding on Olenek that much because he's he's an old, slow guy, but he's so experienced and he's got just top, you know, back class, I think, compared to Dalkus that taking the stab at him at the plus money may be, uh, may be a decent play. And then uh, opening the main card, a fight that was supposed to be uh, about a month ago, I think it was it was booked and and uh, it got canceled uh, last minute. Uh, Nasruddin Imavov uh, nine and two takes on uh, Phil Hawes, also nine and two. Hawes is you know uh, training partner John Jones, very hype prospect, very powerful guy, uh, and he's uh, he is the favorite here, uh, even though it's more or less a uh, pick'em. But Hawes is the slight favorite, minus one twenty. Imavov back at even money. Um, I know uh, uh, Greg and Jeff, neither one of y'all had any plays on the rest of the main card. Uh, Justin, any thoughts from you uh, on the rest of this main card? And the, the last part um, is, that you mentioned is probably going to be one of the, the uh, more intense fights of the night. Both these guys are big-time finishers. Um, Imavov has nine wins. Seven of them are first-round finishes. Uh, Haas has never been to a decision. I think his last five wins uh, are, are first round. Um, Haas, you know, his UFC debut was 18 seconds. He knocked his dude out. So uh, I think this one's going to be fast-paced. Definitely probably play the under on this one. Um, but, you know, I, I think these are two two top prospects. And I think it's kind of weird that they're matching them up here. Um, these are two guys that, that could, you know, very well be contenders in a few years at middleweight. Um, and, Knocking one of them off this early is kind of odd, but um, the the couple, the couple of heavyweight fights there are wild. You got Olenek and Arlovsky. Um, Olenek's got sixty, let's see, seventy-four fights. Arlovsky's got forty-nine fights. Um, Forty, no, Arlovsky's got fifty-one fights. Um, and then Aspinall's got eight fights, and Dalkas has uh, thirteen. 
Um, but I like both the old, well, nah, I like Olenek in that fight. I think that Dalkus is just way too heavy of a favorite um, for what he's done. And Olenek is going to come in there swinging hard just to get to the clinch. And if he gets him down, I uh, can grab a hold of him. I don't think that Dalkus is going to be able to stop him from putting him to sleep. Um, Arlovsky, I think, is probably going to get knocked out. I think this is probably the end of Arlovsky's run. But, you know, looking at him, he wants to be there. He wants to win. It's not um, – he's not He's not acting like it's over. Uh, so maybe we'll see something something pop out of him. Um, and then I'm looking forward to Ketlin Vieta and uh, Kenneth Guy. You know, that's a, it's a relevant fight for the division um, where Amanda Nunes has kind of dominated everybody basically. And um, these are two people that – um, I don't think she's fought Clint Skaya yet. I know she hasn't fought Kellen Vieta, but um, Kellen Vieta, I think, is is a, a good play uh, on this one. I think she's Clint Skaya's best option is is going to be to get her to the cage and try to uh, clinch up and wear down on her. And I think Vieta's stronger, going to be stronger there. And um, ultimately, I think she can she will be able to dictate where the fight goes. And uh, I believe she can probably get Clint Skaya down and submit her. Um, but it's not not a bad. Uh, main card here, though. Um, the undercard uh, headlined by a fight that uh, Justin was just talking about. That is uh, Tom Aspinall, Andre Arlovsky. That's a really interesting heavyweight fight. You know, uh, Aspinall has been his uh, come in guns blazing. You know, he's a, he's a he's a wrecker. He's a he's a power guy. Whereas Arlovsky, you know, in his latter years, has kind of been more of a finesse. You know, uh, keep the distance and just kind of you know work a work a decision kind of fighter. So uh, Aspinall, pretty big favorite, minus two fifty. Arlovsky back at plus two hundred. I'm tempted to go Aspinall, but I don't like the line. Greg, you've got a read on this one. I don't have such of a read as I do. Is I think that Arlovsky's chin may not hold up. What I see right here, I mean, Aspinall, he's, he's nine and two. He's fighting somebody that's had almost fifty. This is his fiftieth fight in the UFC. And it's, it's, it's 40, 30 and forty thirty and nineteen. This is his fiftieth fight in the UFC. All right. Tom Aspinall's had not not in the UFC, but his fifty professional fight. I'm sorry. Uh Aspinall, this is his tenth or eleventh professional fight. Like you gotta look at that. Uh I, I remember I think it was Andre Lofsky fought Travis Brown. I think we see a repeat of that fight, but I don't think that Arlovsky's chin holds up. I think Aspinall does get the finish against Arlovsky. If you sit back on your toes and sit there and wait for Arlovsky to do what he can do, you're going to lose. I don't see Tom Aspinall doing that. But if he doesn't finish Arlovsky in the first round, I can see Arlovsky finishing him later in the fight. With that being said, I'm, I'm going to pass on this one right here. Uh, my lean is Aspinall, but I'm passing on this fight. Up next, we have got uh, featherweight action. Uh, Jared Flash Gordon taking on Danny Chavez. Uh, Gordon 16 of four, Danny Chavez 11 and three. And uh, it is, uh, let's see here. It looks like it's uh, Chavez that's the favorite about minus 140. Jared Gordon back at plus 125. Uh, Justin, you got any take on uh, Chavez and Gordon? Um, <clears throat> I think this will be a, a, a could, could definitely turn into a boring fight. I feel like, you know, Jared Gordon is just a, um, Real tough, grindy. He's very similar to Bilal Muhammad. Um, they're they're training partners and have a pretty similar uh, fighting style. So this one might not be the most entertaining fight, um, but I, I feel like I like Jared Gordon at this point um, to go in there and, and get a decent win. 
Short notice fight here, uh, originally scheduled to be Dracar Close and Jai Herbert. Herbert withdraws, and now it's Dracar Close taking on a guy we all know very well, Violent Bob Ross, Luis Pena, former Valor lightweight champion. Um, it's a tough spot for Luis here, and I want to I want to root for him all, all I can, but Dracar Close is just, uh, man, he's a killer, and his striking, I think, may just be a little bit much for Luis Pena if Luis can't get the takedown. I, I think Luis is... is probably more skilled uh, is the more dangerous submission guy, but I think he could struggle to get it there, unfortunately. And uh, Dracar Close is the favorite, rightfully so, I believe, uh, around minus 170, 175, with Pena coming back about plus 150. Um, I, I got to lean close here myself. Uh, Hobbs, uh, what's your take on this? Yeah, I'm with you, man. I, I'm leaning close. Uh, you know, <sighs> He's coming off a loss, but look who it was to, you know, Darush. Uh, that's and that was that was a fun, close, exciting, uh, just crazy fight until the moment it ended. Uh, he was in there banging with them, uh, you know, until it was over. Uh, but prior to that, he ripped off wins against Venata, Bobby Green, Gallegos. Um, you know, he's had the tougher opponents. Uh, I think even with a full training camp, uh, the line would probably still be where it's at, uh, just based on both of their histories. But then you add on top of it, you know, just the short notice, the two weeks notice. I, I just think uh, Dracar is going to be just too much, um, you know, too much for him uh, in, in this bout. So I, I'm with you. I am leaning, uh, uh, leaning with close on this one. Greg, uh, your take on this one? You've uh, you got a read here. Uh, you you go on with the gang here. Are you on Pena? Ah, uh, man, I'm a Pena fan, dude. I like Luis Pena. I liked him ever since I got to fight on the same card. I opened that card. He uh, main evented that card, and you know, and I, I, I when I remember seeing him that night, I was like, that guy is special. And uh, I mean, like that's a big one fifty five too. But I just don't think he is well rounded and put together. Nor is I, do I think he's putting it putting in enough work right now to to be able to put it down on Jakar Close, man. Uh, I just I can't I can't put my money on there right now. What are the odds on this spot? They're uh, minus one fifty five on Jakar Close, and you're putting one thirty five on Pena. And like you said, Tim, if Pena doesn't get that takedown, he can't take the back, and he just stays in front of the jab all night. I, I'm nonetheless exciting spot. I got I got to go with if I'm betting with a gun in my head, I'm taking Close. Justin, you got a take on uh, Close and Pena? Yeah, I think the biggest difference in in the striking with these guys is going to be the power. Close is a fucking hitter. I think Pena is could could potentially um, go in there and and out strategize him and um, point fight and and do well. But uh, I think his chin's the way he Pena keeps his chin up a lot, and I feel like Jakar Close catches that thing and uh, might be lights out. But um, you know. Pena's, Pena's not a, a dumb guy. I mean, he's he's been around the block for a, a little while now. He's trained with some of the top guys in the world, and um, I'm sure they're going to have a, a good game plan going in. I wouldn't put any chalk on him, but uh, I think this fight will be closer than people are kind of giving Pena credit for. Eddie Wineland takes on John Castaneda next at Bantamweight. Uh, Wineland, the vet. Castaneda, a vet, too. He's got a lot of fights, but he's he's kind of a, you know, a newcomer to the UFC. Wineland, I'm surprised to see, is the underdog here. Uh, plus 100, uh, Castaneda minus 120. I think there's a lot of recency bias here with Wineland getting wasted last time out by uh, Sean O'Malley. 
So I think there may be, I mean, I may, this may be one where I would be willing to kind of take a little bite on the vet here at Even Money. Uh, Julian Arosa, Juicy J, takes on Nate the Train Landwehr, and that's what I'm really excited for. Now, Nate the Train was supposed to uh, fight, uh, it feels like about four or six weeks back, had his fight canceled with COVID and didn't get the same opponent. He was supposed to fight uh, Eve Loeb, you know, the, the M1 Bantamweight champion. And there was some heat there. And for whatever reason, when they rebooked Eve Web, it wasn't against Landwehr. So uh, Landwehr, in my opinion, gets a much better matchup here. Though Julian Arosa is a very tall and long guy. Man, he's six foot, six foot one, 145. But I don't think Juicy J has shown the chin to withstand the uh, power of Nate Landwehr. And Arosa tends to want to get in those firefights, you know. So I think that, you know, Arosa's got those long legs and he'll be dangerous uh, for head kicks and things like that. But I think Nate Landwehr gets the win here. This is more or less a pick em. Uh, most books have this at dead even. But uh, there are a few books that have uh, Landwehr as the favorite minus 120. A few that have Arosa as a favorite minus 120. So this is about as much of a pick em. Uh, as you're going to get. Uh, Jeff Hobbs, your your read here. Yeah, the only thing that upsets me about this fight and, and those fights dropping out is, you know, I was so ready to drop some money when uh, I think uh, the last two fights, he had one scheduled, uh, Landwehr had one scheduled in September and December, I think, and they both fell out. Uh, but he was like, what, a, a plus 200, plus 300 on one? So that was going to be my steal. So the only thing that upsets me about this is there's no money to be stolen right now uh, taking Nate Landwehr, man. Uh, but aside from that, I'll tell you, while we've been sitting here on the air, I, I sent Nate a message. So he definitely just said what's up to the to the Valor Hour crew uh, and says he's feeling great right now. Uh, I told him uh, that I was picking third-round TKO, uh, and he said I'm a smart man. But uh, I also got in Nate Landwehr um, fashion uh, a video of while he's pissing at the urinal uh, screaming out that Arosa is a yeah, Arosa is a dead man. Yeah, Arosa is a dead man. So, man, that being said, Nate Landwehr is like a, a caged animal when you start you know canceling fights on him. He's ready to go. You're right. Uh, Arosa's got about what four inches on him. I think three inch reach on him. Um, but the thing with Arosa is he never uses those tools. He never fights as long as he is. And he gets in there and gets in those close quarter exchanges. And uh, that's where Nate Landwehr thrives, man, is on that chaos up close. He loves, you know, the chaos. He loves the the knockdown, throw, throw down fights, um, you know. And that's not to say that, that Arosa is just completely out of this fight. It doesn't have a chance because, like you said, uh, with that height advantage, uh, you know, Landwehr could be vulnerable to head kicks. But uh, I think his just relentless forward pressure and, and, and takedowns are going to neutralize, you know, anything of Arosa's that's that's dangerous. And I think he's just going to wear him down. Uh, and what will probably I could see it being another bloody fight. Uh, but I'm going uh, third round TKO by Landwehr. I like that pick, man. I'm, you know, you can get Landwehr at uh, even money pretty much. But if you want to take Landwehr by TKO. Uh, you get plus three twenty five, which feels real nice. Uh, well, what's my what's my TKO in the third round? What what's third round TKO? Let, let me see if I can call. Um, I don't know that we can get that detail just yet. You can get Landwehr just in round three to win, and you don't. There's no real method to it, but it's plus thirteen hundred. If you were to say, if you were to add the method with that, then you would get um, you would get probably about forty to one. Right, man, I, I I might be on it if I can get it. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, you might even toss in round two uh, just in case, you know, which would still pay real nice, uh, you know, if, if you if you sprinkled a little a little bit on both. Uh, Justin, you're familiar with both these guys? Yeah, so well, I've got um, Nate by third round TKO here at plus 1200. 12, 12, yeah, plus 1200. Oh, okay. That's me. That's, that's what I'm on. Um, let's see where that bet online has, has, is the only place that has a, uh, a, a play there. But um, yeah, man, I love uh, Nate. You know, the, the style of Nate is, is one that, you know, if you've seen him once, you, you want to see every fight that he has. Um, he comes forward full on, you know, he's swinging for the fences and looking to take your head off, but he's tactical and, and there's method to his madness. And, um, you know, Julian Rose is five and five in this weight class. I think that it's kind of disrespectful that Nate's not a semi-decent favorite here. Um, Nate's eight and one in his last nine fights. Rose is five and five in the weight class. Like, um, I feel like Nate is, is, you know, should be getting pushed a little more than he is. Um, but I think his time is probably coming. I, I see a nice, nice finish here. Uh, I like that second or third round TKO as well. Moving on down the line here uh, into the earlier portion of the prelim, uh, we've got Rafael Alves taking on Pat Sabatini, a one forty-five fight. Um, a couple uh, unproven UFC fighters here. It's uh, one that I would definitely uh, stay away from if uh, I were giving any advice. Uh, but for the record, Alves is minus 185, Sabatini plus 160. Also on this undercard, we've got Shannon Dobson coming off a big upset win. If y'all remember, she was something crazy. Uh, she was like plus eight or 900 uh, and she upset the apple cart uh, the last time out uh, when she, she got a big upset win over uh, the hyped prospect uh, Maria Agapova. Now she takes on undefeated Casey O'Neill five and O oh, and uh, it looks like O'Neill is going to be a slight favorite here. Minus one fifty. Shannon Dobson back at plus one thirty. And uh, let's see what else we've got here, folks. Uh, uh, before that, we have got a uh, Chaz Skelly taking on Jamal Emmers. That's a uh, featherweight fight, and uh, you know both these guys are, are solid wrestlers. So uh, Emmers is the favorite here, minus two thirty-five. Is Skelly back at plus two hundred? Uh, Greg, what's your take on this one? Uh, the Civic and uh, Vendera, that, that very first one of the night right there. Nope, nope, nope. We're on Chaz Skelly and Jamal Emmers. I like Chaz Skelly in this fight. Jamal Emmers has only had two fights in the UFC, and he's one and one. Granted, you know, I mean, that level of competition he fought the first time was a lot greater. But Chaz Skelly is a lot more durable. He's seven and three in the UFC, and for that reason, I got to take the experience over with Skelly. And, of course, the uh, first two prelims on the card, uh, we've got a uh, bantamweight bout. It's uh, 135 pounds. Eamon Zahabi, 7-2, taking on Draco Rodriguez, 7-1. Um, and uh, in that fight, it's Rodriguez, the favorite, minus 180, uh, coming back, uh, plus 150 for Zahabi. Opening up the night, the curtain jerker, heavyweight, low-level heavyweight, Sergey Spivak takes on Jared Vandera who uh, we saw on the Contender Series, he beat Harry Hunsucker, and he, like, called out Sergey Spivak randomly, and he got him. So, like, 
I don't know, smart move, I guess, on <laughs> Jared Vandera's part. Uh, but Spivak is the uh, the favorite here. Minus 250 Vandera back at plus 200. I can't give minus 250 with Spivak versus anyone. Uh, that's Sergey Spivak. Uh, so uh, I, I really, I mean, I don't know if Vandera is that good, really, either. But uh, it's it's dog or pass here for me. Anything on the rest of this uh, undercard here, Justin? Man, I think that's a pretty good dog play. Um you know, Vendera's obviously is his first uh, UFC proper fight, so he's you know he's needs some work and he's tuning up. But Spivak's fucking terrible, and uh, I don't know the fact that he called him out. I mean, maybe they've had some some history together, training and stuff. I'm not sure, but um, maybe he knows something that the odds makers don't know. It's, it's just a crazy line. It's it's weird to see Spivak at that heavy of a favorite against anybody. I don't like. It's weird to see him as a favorite, but to be that high is is wild um but yeah that's a, that's about it i like that that underdog play there all right guys well that's gonna wrap up our preview of uh ufc fight night blades versus lewis i'm gonna go around the horn real quick uh quick plays uh any official plays from uh, you guys i'll go first and uh, i'm pretty much on uh three angles here over the course of the evening trying to be more selective here and not just throw out a bunch of shit that uh, i'm hopeful on the things that I actually feel good about here so uh, you know i the 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 angles i like uh would be uh, playing the the over round propositions in the main event uh with blades and lewis potentially going over one and a half two and a half rounds uh i like a small stab at alexi olenic plus 160 as the underdog nothing crazy there um and then um uh, here's my my kind of you know a parlay that I feel like will happen that will pay pretty good. Um, you can get plus 800 on this three-way parlay. And that would be uh, that the main event starts round two. So that's a pretty much a over one full round in the main event, uh, along with Imavov and Phil Hawes will not go the distance, any stoppage in that fight, along with Nate, the train land by TKO. And you can get plus 800, that's my uh, that's my uh, uh, my place for the week. Uh, let's uh, send it on over to Greg. Uh, any official place for this week? Um, just looking through it, I like some dogs on here. I like uh, Chad Skelly at plus one eighty. I like uh, I like Imavov at minus one ten. Not necessarily really an underdog. It's a pick 'em. Um, I like Sexy Mexi at minus one twenty five. I like Close at one fifty five against Pena, and I'm looking here. I love Curtis Blades as a parlay piece anywhere you want to. You want to put him with all those different guys. And I got to dis- disagree. I think that uh, Vandera is awful, man. He was so slow against Harry Hunsucker. Powerful. He is very powerful. And Civic does suck, but I still think that he gets the job done. It's a stay away from me from there. Uh, looking through here on the rest, I'm going to fade Andy Weiland uh, close. And uh, – I'm 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 not betting on the Arlovsky. I'm and hey and back to the main card with uh, Olenek. I like him against uh, Dawkins too. Uh, I'm just in there. I like him there. All right, uh, Jeff Hobbs. Uh, any official plays for you uh, this week? You you're on that Nate the train. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll I'll do something probably heavy on that. Well, I don't have to go too heavy on it um, to make some money uh, the way that I'm going to go. But I don't know, man. I I have to wait this one out and see where, you know, exactly what I'm going to do. But I like something uh, with Curtis Curtis Blades. Um, I like Aspinall. Uh, I really do. I think Arlovsky, we're going to kind of be in the same situation we were with uh, Overeem, you know, a few weeks back. Mm-hmm. Um, where I think it's just uh, it, it's it's time, you know. And 
I like close, and like I said, I'm going to ride uh, Landwehr. I don't know what uh, you know what way I'm going to work all those yet, uh, and, and where I like them. But uh, but that's probably where my plays will be. Wrap us up, Justin. Man, I love the parlay that you threw out there. Uh, I'm going to jump on your bandwagon on that one for sure. Um, <clears throat> I like uh, man. I'm having trouble with uh, with with Hawes and Imanov. Um, I think that's probably going to be the most competitive, one of the more competitive fights, but it could be a, a really fast fight also. Um, so I'm not sure where I'm going to go with that, but love Nate all day. Um, I like Olenek. Uh, and another one that, I've, that I'll probably put everywhere is Ketlin Vieta. There you have it, folks. Our picks for uh, UFC Fight Night coming up this weekend. This is an ESPN Plus card uh, for the record. Uh, thank you guys for listening, man. Uh, we always appreciate our listeners out there. Please uh, subscribe wherever you're listening to this fine podcast. Follow our social media so you can keep up with uh, all our uh, up-to-dos. And, uh, of course, thank you also to Parker Wadman, the Viking, for joining us a bit earlier ahead of his main event clash in a couple short weeks. March the 5th from the world, Cotton Eye Joe. Uh, for our picks panel tonight, and uh, Justin Watson, my co-host, of course, Greg uh, Greg Hopkins, Jeff Hobbs. I'm your host, Tim Loy, signing out for another edition of the Valor Hour. This is an MMA report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan. Quick fix on Radio Influence. With you having that karate background. How can he beat Usman? Yeah, I, I think that the two people that are possibilities of dethroning Usman is um, Colby Covington and Stephen Thompson, like you mentioned. And I will say that Stephen Thompson is such a tricky equation to try and solve. Um, if you look back on when Tyron Woodley was scheduled to fight Stephen Thompson, he had to bring in and fly in all decorated karate specialists to kind of emulate that style. And if you've never dealt with the footwork or the stance or the kicks and the angles of a karate fighter, um, you know, it, it's a very difficult thing to deal with. And a lot of people think, well, you just go out there and you wrestle. Well, that's very difficult to do when in karate you have excellent footwork and you're able to, you know, minimize getting controlled in the cage. So like with Steven Thompson being so in and out with his movement, throwing so many lead leg kicks. That's the big thing. Lead leg kicks in karate versus rear leg kicks in other styles, such as Muay Thai and kickboxing and so forth. You are, you are basically, you have, you're fighting a fighter that has two jabs. Essentially they have their jab with their hand and they have their lead foot that can ultimately be a jab, whether it's a lead leg round kick or a side kick to keep you at bay. And I think getting inside that distance is so much more difficult than people realize until they face somebody like that. Um, you saw how Tyron Woodley, when he, he when he had success in the fights against Stephen Thompson, it was because he had to blitz forward. Now, a guy that stays on the outside and is very patient, like a Vicente Luque, you saw how you know Stephen Thompson picked him apart. That you know, like you have to mix it up and you have to really crowd a karate fighter. So I will say that Wonder Boy, despite being a little older in the uh, in in the weight class, 
I think that just the style alone can cause a lot of problems for a lot of people and be a very competitive fight for uh, Kamar Usman. Yeah, I'm with you that to me it is Covington or it is uh, it is Stephen Thompson. The MMA Report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.